If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Today, I'm joined in studio by my man, Chris Van Vliet. What's up, bro? Thanks so much for joining me. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Great yeah. setup here, too. Hey, thanks. It's not too shabby. Yeah. It's not too shabby for the spare bedroom in-home studio. Nobody would know that unless you said it. Yeah, that's true. This is your, this is your Las Vegas studio yeah, right yeah, here. Exactly. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, dude, I've when we first connected, I started following your stuff, and I was like, man, how have I not seen this guy before? And uh, now, big fan of Insight with what you're doing, and- Likewise. Uh, personal brand and everything that you got going on. I want to rewind the clock and talk with you a little bit about how you got to where you are. And it's always fascinating to me whenever I'm talking to somebody like yourself that picked a different path in life, right? Sure. Like you didn't go down the traditional path. You probably wouldn't be where you are right now. So let's rewind the clock. Talk to me about growing up. Six, seven, eight-year-old Chris Van Vliet. Well, set the scene for us. What was your family like? Religious? Did you like school? Give us the whole kind of background. So I grew up just outside of Toronto. So I'm Canadian. Okay. Grew up in a town called Pickering, Ontario, population like 92,000. have an older sister. And my parents are the greatest example of like companionship and friendship and love. They're celebrating their 47th wedding anniversary this year. Wow. So I grew up in a family just full of love and I felt like I had endless possibilities. I could do whatever I wanted. My parents yeah. would just open the door and say, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do, mm. you can do it. I played a lot of sports growing up. T-ball was the first one. Okay. Growing up in Canada, of course you play hockey. Yeah, got to. The only sports I had in my elementary school were track and field, cross country, volleyball and basketball. I did them all. Then I got into high school. I played baseball there. I got on the wrestling team there and okay. sports was always a really big part of my life. Yeah. But I remember being four years old and I was given a Fisher Price radio, like a tape recorder radio with like a microphone attached to it. Yeah, yeah. And I would pretend to be a radio broadcaster. And that's yeah, like where at my, four. at four years old, just, I loved listening to the Blue Jays on the radio. What, what year was this? 1987. Okay. I loved listening to the Blue Jays on the radio. So I would yeah. pretend to be the radio announcers and I would like record these little, you know, tapes of that. That's my first memory wow. of it. And I remember just being like so passionate about that and so drawn into the idea yeah. of people that were on TV or on radio. I was in some plays growing up. I was just, I loved the idea of presenting to people. Yeah. Did that persist throughout high school and yeah. like that too? I was the vice president of my student council. Okay. Mostly because the vice president got to do the morning announcements. Got so I'm like, oh, if I get to be the vice president, I'm the guy who gets to do the morning announcements. I'm, right. We did like, it was like, good morning, Pine Ridge, every morning. <laughs> kind of like, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. We also had a communication studies class in my high school, and we basically made TV every single week. Really? We had a little TV studio inside my high school, and you would rotate through the different roles. So you were the VTR operator, the audio guy, the camera operator. That's so cool. This and is in high school. This is in high school. Wow. And that's when I learned what communication studies was. So when it came time to pick a college major, I'm like, well, that communication studies class was pretty fun. Yeah. Let's do that. I mean, it seemed like a crazy long shot, 
to even think about the idea of possibly being on TV. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know, you're 17 or 18 years old when you're picking your college major. Yeah. Right. Which is crazy, right? Uh, dude. Yeah, talk about that for a second. We could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Yeah. That, that's how you feel. Yeah, decide. Decide right. now. <laughs> and then you realize. <laughs> never waver from that. Yeah. And I think Insane. you realize in your 20s and your 30s that you're like, oh, that's not actually how it is. Right. Or how many people do you know and I know that went to school for one thing and they're doing something completely different for their career? So many. Like almost everybody. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you saying that you went to school for that and then actually ended up doing it. Like. I, I don't I don't remember the last time somebody told me that actually happened to them. Like, yeah, I was yeah. a kid and I liked this thing in high school and I did it in college and that's what I do. Very, yeah. very rare. Yeah. The only reason, one of the main reasons I picked communication studies is because, yes, it is broadcasting, but it's also marketing and it's a little bit of sales and it's PR. And I'm like, okay. oh, if broadcasting doesn't work out, I could work in there's publicity other, or something like adjacent that. adjacent careers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In college, I worked at a sports store. Like I was selling like skis and snowboards and skates. And like once a month, we'd have a product rep come in and tell us about the new lineup for the year. And I'm like, oh, I could be that guy. Yeah. Like standing in front of the group being like, check out these new CCM hockey skates. Yeah. Push these to your customers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, if this TV thing doesn't work out, that could be a really cool path. Sure. Yeah. It's amazing what paths are open from learning how to communicate with people. Oh, it's, it's everything. Yeah. It is like, it Especially is every age where technology takes over most things. Yeah. You know, where technology is automating so many other people's jobs. I still just don't think we're ever going to get away from having to have a person to communicate with. Yeah. Especially if you're spending anything over 20 bucks or whatever. Human you know, communication, I think it's just so important. Yeah. Human connection. Like my friend wrote a book called Every Conversation Counts. Mm. And when you really start to think about it, Everything that you have in your life or don't have in your life is a direct result of a conversation you've either had or haven't had. Right. And when you start to think about it that way, you're like, well, I guess we're kind of all in the communication business. Sure. Yeah. Definitely something that probably helped throughout the rest of your career. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I went to school just outside of Toronto, Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario. So okay. if you ever go to Canada, he is the guy on the $5 bill. Okay. He's, he's the, and the $5 bill in Canada is blue, by the way. Got it. The money's all different colors there. Yeah. Like when people talk about green money, when I was growing up, I'm like, well, the green one is the $20 bill. <laughs> what you guys are talking about? All the money yeah, here is green. All, all of it. Yeah. So coming out of college, yeah. what was the path? So I was pretty dead set on, I was going to give it my best shot to try to be on TV. Yeah. And I had an epiphany, Travis, in my final year of college. I woke up one morning. I was having the best time in college. Like college is a lot of fun, right? Yeah. You're meeting a lot of people. You're experiencing a lot of new things. Beer is a, a big part of your life. Yeah. It's having it's a, a great a pastime. time. It is. It's, it's past minor, time. minor in beer. Yeah. yeah. Might have majored in it. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I was living with four of my best friends and I woke up one morning and we were going to graduate at the end of that year. So like seven months from now. And I woke up and I went, oh my God, when, when I graduate, that's it. Yeah. I got to go to the real world and work for the rest of my life. <laughs> and you're 21 years old having this realization. Yeah, yeah. And in that exact moment, I went, I just want to make sure that I don't hate my job. Mm. I saw too many people that couldn't enjoy Sunday because Monday was the next day. Yeah. And I was so aware of the fact that you work for half of the time that you're awake. Right. You spend more time with Possibly your colleagues. More. Right, yeah. right. You spend more time with your colleagues than you do with your husband or your wife. Yeah. 
Yet so many people put so much time into dating and who they're going to marry and all that and put very little time or thought into the job they're going to have. Right. So in that exact moment, I had that epiphany. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I reached out to every radio station in my college town, every TV station in my college town, and just said, I want to do this. Can I just come in and see how it's done in the real world? Yeah. And one radio station said, sure, come reached in. out, literally just like sent an email or blind, a like, yes, yeah, cold email. Just, hi, I'm a fourth year communication studies major, super passionate about broadcasting. Can I come in and volunteer? Yeah. Radio station said, come be part of our street team. So I like handed out like stickers at events. Ra a TV station in town was run by volunteers. It was like a community run TV station, mm -hmm. like public access. Interesting. Okay. They were like, absolutely. You pick the days, come on in. And like, I got to like learn in the real world. And this other radio station said, we don't take on volunteers, but how would you like a job? <laughs> and I went, okay, sure. <laughs> That's like volunteering, but I get paid for it. They said, yeah, we can't really do volunteers because like our insurance, but yeah. this only pays $8 an hour. Is that okay? I'm like, that is $8 more than I thought I was going to make. <laughs> yeah. And I was a board operator running a board, kind of like that board that you have there, like yeah. a soundboard for yeah. all these different talk shows. That's and that's how I really got started. And then fast forward a little bit, it was time to graduate. I knew I needed an internship to hopefully possibly set up a job, mm -hmm. reached out to a bunch of TV stations. Nobody got back to me. I found this one TV station that was about 60 miles from my hometown. And it was a really small TV station. And I sent an email to them and I said, hey, it's spring break next week. I'm actually going to be in Peterborough. It'd be great if I could just come into you and like talk about a possible internship. Yeah. It, this is a total lie. I had no plans on being there. I hadn't been in this town in 10 or 15 years. <laughs> and I had scoured the internet to find the email address for the general manager of the TV station, just hoping he might respond. Right. And he did. He said, well, if you're going to be in town, sure, come on by. And I came in, he looked at my resume, he goes, oh, you've actually done like quite a bit of stuff. Like that looks good. We don't normally do this, but sure, I'll take a chance on you. You can be an intern. Nice. My first day of interning was like me following out a reporter. Like, and when you're at a small station, they're doing everything. Shooting, writing, reporting, everything. Yeah, yeah. And I was following them around, doing the whole thing. Two weeks into my internship, the news director, no, the, the assignment planner goes, here's your story for the day. I said, oh, cool. Like, which, who am I following today? He goes, you're going to be following Terry, but this is your story. You're going to shoot it. You're going to write it. You're going to edit it. You're going to be on the news tonight. Two, two weeks, weeks into my, two weeks into my internship. Wow, so you're 21, 22? It was my 22nd birthday. Wow. Yeah. What a wow. birthday present. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then from that day on, my internship was basically like free <laughs> labor for them, like a free, like reporter on TV. Mm. And then, and by the way, I was working my old high school job at the mall in the fish department of a pet store to pay for the gas so I could drive the 60 miles to go to my internship. So like, think about the juxtaposition of you're on TV one day, yeah. the next day you're scooping like dead goldfish out of bowls. <laughs> yeah. But see, this is the part of success that nobody likes to, to, to talk about because any more... I call it a disease. I, I think there's this disease of entitlement that's taken over, running rampant. And maybe that, frankly, is just an American thing. Maybe that's just an American privilege to be entitled to thinking that you deserve something for the sake of being alive or whatever, because you could have been in that position easily. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that you went to school with that probably were in that position and got the same degree. And then those are the people that get jealous of success and want you to fail and stuff like that because they never figured it out. 
And at the end of the day, like you didn't just graduate and somebody called you and went, Hey, we want you to be on TV and we want you to be on interviewing A-list celebrities on the yeah. red carpet. Like that didn't happen. It was very much like, I have to make something happen for myself and I'm willing to do it for free. And which yeah. is, brings up another great point, which is why it's so important to your point earlier about being, having some sort of passion about what it is that you're doing. Because if you're not, especially when you're that young, if you're not willing to come in and work for free, then you're thinking about things the wrong way. Yeah. You know, somebody asked yeah. me, I interview, I think yesterday, you know, what I would tell my younger self, one of those boilerplate questions everybody asks. And uh, I think what I ended up saying was something along the lines of, I wish I would have prioritized learning rather than trying to go earn. Because I think that I would have, I think that I would have taken a little bit of a different path. And obviously I'm not a big believer in regret and I'm happy with where I've ended up. But that being said, like if I'm giving advice to somebody else, like I would like exactly what you did is the path that I would recommend people take rather than like, I just did door-to-door -door sales and tried to make money. I was like, yeah. Hey, how can I make six figures, six figures, six figures? You're not thinking about like the future and going like, Oh, six figures is not that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you took a different path and said, I'll work for free. I just know that this is what I want to do. And because I know this is what I want to do, like, it doesn't matter to me if you pay me $0, you pay me $8, pay me $5, I got to commute for an hour and a half, keep my other job working in the fish department. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it and I'll be there and I'll show up with a great attitude and I'm going to make the best of the situation. And I learned so much. Yeah. Like the fact that, I, and I was editing tape to tape back in the day. So it was like one DVC pro tape to another DVC pro tape before like we were doing this yeah with non-linear editing on a computer so <laughs> like i i learned a ton i'm also super grateful that i had the opportunity to live at my parents house mm. and i also had the opportunity to have you know to drive a car like that that we had a second car that i could drive there like i think a lot of things lined up for that to work and a yeah. lot of things lined up for me to be able to do that too sure sure yeah and it's obviously yeah good to recognize some of those things as well so at what point in that did you feel like not only am I currently hosting some TV stuff, but like, I think I could turn this into a real living, like a real career. Yeah. The internship ended up turning into a job when I went into my general manager's office and basically said like, thank you so much for this opportunity. I just can't keep afford. I can't afford to do this. And he's right. like, oh, Chris, been uh, meaning to talk to you. You're right. You're not going to be an intern anymore. We don't have a position, but I just created one for you. Congratulations. You're now part of the news team. It's like, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this went extraordinarily well. well. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Can I quit the job at the pet store? He's like, sure. I don't care. Do whatever you want. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at that job for about a year and a half. Did it come with a little bit of a pay raise? Yeah. From $0 <laughs> to I think fourteen seventy eight an hour, mm. which way, way more than the $8 I was making at the other place. Sure. Yeah. And what is this? What year is this? This is 2005. Okay. So decent. Went, went a little bit further back then. For yeah, sure. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. To certainly paid for my gas, which yeah. was important. <laughs> right. So I was reporting on news stories. And when you're at a local TV station, it's a bit of a stretch sometimes for what is considered news. Yeah. Yeah. And I was there for about a year and a half. And I was just like, this is good. Just like reporting on the local bake off or something like oh, that. Oh my, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates 
fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Do you remember any like interesting ones that like- Oh, I remember being pitched a story that it was like, <laughs> there's a cat that lives in a retirement home. And I was like, okay, look. So what's the story? They're like, well, that is the story. That's the whole story. <laughs> it's the cat. I went, hold on. <laughs> so the story is that there's a cat. And they're like, yeah, but he makes people feel good. I'm like, okay. That's uh, what cat <laughs> I remember a story that there was a new stop sign. No way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like cottage country. This is yeah, like. Yeah, right. Yeah. The local. Yeah. Right. Which I'm so grateful for of the course, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And I was on TV every day and I was actually anchoring the news on Sundays, which was really cool. Wow. Yeah. I should dig up those terrible tapes oh, of that. Dude, those would be golden. They'd be so bad. I got to find a way to take DVC Pro and digitize it. <laughs> I don't think anyone uses that anymore. But I was, this is great, but I don't think that at 22, I want to be a news reporter or I want to be a news anchor. I just saw this as a way to like learn about television. Sure. Yeah. So I was sending my stuff out to any television show that I could ever find. I was just submitting my stuff. The thing is, when you work at a local TV station, all of the footage that you have is just you reporting on local news. Right. So I would go out after my shift was done, because we had access to all the cameras and mics, mm. and I would go out and fake that I was reporting on like much cooler stories. <laughs> so I would set up the camera in a field and be like, oh yeah, like... I remember Rocky Balboa, the movie had just come out. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Rocky Balboa hits theaters this weekend. We're talking to Sylvester Stallone. No, we're not. But I would fake this stuff like we were. No, he's coming through Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was applying for all these things and like no one was taking my stuff very seriously. And then there was a job opening in Vancouver, which is the other side of the country. It's like where Seattle is. And I submitted my stuff and like, I looked at what they were looking for. It was like two years experience. I'm like, I've got that. And it was like, know how to like, like, I think it was know how to operate a camera. I'm like, I, I do that right now. And I'm like, yes. this is my job. Right. I've got to get this job. So I submitted my stuff, didn't hear anything from them. But on the application was the name of the person that was doing the hiring. Okay. So I'm like, I'm going to give her a call. Mm -hmm. So I called the TV station and asked for her by name. 
And they were like, one moment, please. And I'm like, oh my God, this is working. I can't believe it. They put me through to her desk. I left a voicemail. She ended up emailing me back and said like, we're going through the tapes right now. We'll let you know if we want to talk to you further. Yeah. In the email signature was her direct phone line. And I'm like, I will be calling you in a few days. Right, right. And sure enough, a few days later, I called her. She picked up and I said, oh, hey, you know, I just wanted to make sure you saw my stuff. I'm actually going to be in Vancouver next week. And since I'm going to be there, it'd just be great to talk to you about the job. And she's like, oh, well, if you're going to be here, sure. How about next Thursday? Yeah. Again, like a total loss. The yeah. five-hour flight. flight now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, as soon as I hung up the phone, I'm like, dad, can I fly to Vancouver? <laughs> My dad worked for an airline for many, well, his whole career. Oh, okay. So we made it happen. I flew out there and five minutes in, they started talking about salary. And I'm like, I think I got this job. This is crazy. That's awesome. So that was kind of where things started to, to get going for me. That's yep. when I started to go, okay. Well, it turned into a be. real job. Yeah. Where you got like real pay. Yeah. Moved to Vancouver. Moved across the country. Yeah, moved right. my entire life in a 1995 Toyota Corolla. Yeah, nice. A 47-hour drive. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of where it switched for me. And that was where I went from doing local news stories about the cat in the retirement yeah. home <laughs> to my first day on the job was following the rapper Chingy around for the entire day. Oh, so oh. my first day, it was like thrown to the wolves. Like, hey, you're going to spend the day with Chingy. Make a story out of it. And I was like, Okay. Uh, He's the right thar guy for everybody you know, watching yeah. at home. Right thar. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of where it really shifted. And then from there, that's when I started doing a lot of celebrity interviews with actors, directors, comedians, musicians. For the same. Uh, that was MTV2 Canada in Vancouver. And that's when things really started to take off for me. This is mid-20s? This is 2006 and seven. Okay. And that's also when I did my first, I'm a big wrestling fan. I did my first interview with a wrestler there, Bobby okay. Lashley. And started to kind of realize that when you were interviewing celebrities, you could also sometimes kind of put your other interests into there. Like I was a UFC fan. Well, all of a sudden I have a great platform where I can interview UFC athletes yeah, or I yeah. can interview WWE The people that you like looked up to. And, and yeah. 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 So there's been a lot of really cool opportunities like that. Yeah. During that time that you were there, was there any, was there anything that really popped out to you in terms of skills that you were consciously working on refining in order to be able to take it next level? Like, did you look at people doing something else and go like, that's the next step, but I'm not quite there. I need to work on these couple of things. Yeah. So again, this is 2006, seven. And I remember much music was the main TV station that we were kind of working on. It's kind of like MTV in the U S or like fuse. Okay. And they were uploading raw interviews with uncut interviews, 15, 20 minute interviews with these like big name musicians. And I was like, at the time going, my full interviews are not good. My mm. full, if you took the full 20 minutes, you'd be like, yeah, that part was good. And that part was good. Yeah. As a whole, not great. I really started to work on turning my interviews into conversations mm. and trying to make them flow a little bit more. Isn't it crazy how difficult that is? So difficult. Dude, like the, the weirdest part to me about starting the podcast yeah. was how difficult it was to interview. It was the last thing in my mind. I had so many other things in my mind, yeah. like, you know, figure out a launch. I got to get a microphone. I got to do all this other stuff. And it's like, the interview is like, oh, whatever. I'll write down some questions. That'll be fine. Yeah. And like, I talk all the time. Yeah, exactly. And then I sit down and I was like, this was dreadful. This is horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. nobody's going to listen to this. I'm just like, just nervously going from question to question. Zero idea how to transition. Like you just do that yeah. awkward, like, okay. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. At all? Yeah, right. You're just trying to focus on your next question. Yeah. yeah. Like that person could give you the biggest reveal ever. You're just like, okay, so <laughs> why is your album called this? <laughs> I'm laughing this hard because, uh, man, God bless them, because I was the same way, but I just had a few interviews this past week where I was on some people's shows and it was that way. And I was just like, I do not miss those days, man. Yeah. And I think days. that the, the problem is we don't use the word interview in our everyday life. Sure. Like if you're a normal person, the only time you're being interviewed is for a job. Exactly. And maybe if the police are bringing you in for something. Yeah. Right. God forbid. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yep. So I think that people hear the word interview and they think about it with a capital I and they're like, oh my God, it's like, no, this is grabbing a beer with your friend. Sure. This is bumping into somebody at the mall. Like that's what this should be. Yeah. At least should feel that way. It should feel that way. Yeah. The best ones are when you get done and you look at the clock and you're like, wow, that was an hour. Like, yeah. I not feel like that. When at first it just, dude, it was pulling teeth to get to like 18 minutes. I think know? one of the best things about podcasting now is it's one of the very few times when you're kind of like in this vacuum, like I'm not looking at my phone. You're not looking at your phone. Right. And that very rarely happens now yep. in our life. Yeah, very And true. I think that people forget how to be bored now. <laughs> like, that's just true. But they're, they're not okay with being bored anymore. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, like fidget. You right. Know, you you're standing in line at the DMV. Do something. As soon as you see there's three people in front of you, the very first thing you do yep. is you reach for your phone. The commercial comes on during the game. The very first thing you do is reach for your phone. Yep. And I think that people have forgotten how to do this. Yeah. You just play a game called how many screens. Yeah. Sometimes, Seriously. sometimes I look around the living room. It's like, oh, we got the, you go, got the iPad up for the recipe. And then you got the TV on. I'm looking at my phone. My son's on his iPad and my wife's on her phone is like, how, what is happening right now? To get back to, to get back to your point about interviewing. So that was the skill set that you realized needed some work. And it was, it was that. And it was also just becoming more comfortable on camera. Okay. I think now in 2022, we're a lot more comfortable on camera. We're used to like taking selfies. Yeah. We're used to like videoing ourselves. Right. Everybody's on camera all the time. Right. Yeah. And you do have that adjustment of like, oh, that's what I really sound like. Or that's what I really look like. <clears throat> like I do that thing with my eyebrows when I talk, really. Always hate it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's having that self-awareness. And I think in broadcasting, it takes a good two or three years yeah. to get used to the broadcasting version of you, to get used to that slightly amped up version of you, like the best version of you on your best day. Yeah. And that's a little bit more polished. I think it takes a little bit of time to go, oh, that is me. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty weird because you don't want to overdo it, right? Yeah. Like, it's weird when people, when you can tell that people are overdoing it, when it's clearly just this is not you at all. Like yeah. you're not an actor. You're not, you don't have to act like you're a good broadcaster. Like you got to find your authentic self. Be a little bit bigger than what you are right now, because that's what this demands. Yeah. Right? And the camera flattens it, which is a really interesting thing. Mm. I realized that really early. Like you think that you're giving it your all and you watch it back and you're like, this new album is coming out. And you're like, oh, that, okay. got to turn it up. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching a lot of stuff back to try okay. to find that balance. Yeah. Any advice for somebody listening who maybe they're a podcaster, maybe they're trying to get into real broadcasting or whatever. And they're looking at it going like, man, I feel that. And I don't know how to get better at it. Yeah. I think it's just do it like reps, like yeah. just do it because Everyone always points to Joe Rogan when it comes to podcasting and what's, he's on episode 1700 and something right now, which sure. is unbelievable. And you're on episode 800 and something yeah. like amazing. People aren't remembering what episode 16 of the Joe Rogan experience looked like or sounded like, mm -hmm. or even episode 416. Right. So I think it's just get the reps in. 
And be patient too. Yeah. I think that unfortunately people will put out like three episodes. They'll see the numbers and they'll go, well, this is a, what a waste of time. This is <laughs> it's like, no, it's a lot of time, right? It's a booking the guests, it's researching it. It's actually doing it. It's producing it. It's editing it. It's uploading it. And then it's promoting it. And if you don't love every aspect of that, mm -hmm. probably not going to be that successful. Yeah. Right. It, for me, it was always looking at the long term. It was always envisioning, yeah, some of this sucks. And yeah, it's not fun to take my off hours and work on something that makes me zero dollars right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that sucks. And being consistent when nobody's listening, yeah, that sucks. And like going in the hole every month to pay for production because I don't want to do it myself. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Or learning production if you can't afford to pay somebody, that also sucks. Yeah. But to me, I think people are undervaluing the attention aspect. Meaning that if you can do it once and you can do it really well, meaning like if you can earn people's attention, yep. whether it takes two years or it takes 15 years, if you start early enough, then that end game is worth all of the years that you put into it because mm -hmm. of everything that it generates you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I think it's really important to be clear on why you're getting into it. Yes. Like you need to figure that out on day one or day zero. You got to figure out, are you doing this for a hobby? Are you doing this because you want to make some money one day? Right. And that's a really important thing because they both are two very different looking paths. Mm -hmm. And I was really fortunate early on that when I started uploading my videos to YouTube in 2011, I wasn't thinking about this as an income source. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that Google AdSense existed. Yeah. I was just taking the interviews I was doing for my TV station and going, man, that was a really good interview with Oprah or Brad Pitt or Jennifer Lawrence. And unless you're watching TV at 4.17, that Thursday afternoon tuned into Channel 19, you didn't see it. Right. So I just took those interviews, put them on YouTube as kind of like a digital library. Mm. And then like maybe six months later, I was talking to a colleague and he goes, oh yeah, you're making some money from those, right? I'm like, hold on, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you go in like Google AdSense, you fill out a form, you click a couple buttons, and then those ads you see on YouTube, you make some money from them. I said, this is insane. Yeah. Are you serious? And then my goal was to make the threshold, which is a hundred dollars on Google AdSense. I'm like, if I could make a hundred extra dollars a month, <laughs> like a thousand dollars a year for doing nothing. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. And then the hundreds started turning into multiple hundreds. And then sometimes I'd have months where I was making a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I was so fortunate though, that that wasn't my main focus. Sure. It was just kind of an afterthought of like, right. oh, cool interview with The Rock. I'll just throw it on the YouTube channel. Right. And then it just started turning into something where those were getting way more views than what I was doing on TV. When did it shift? Like at what point were you like, man, YouTube, it, YouTube's it. That's the game. It took a while for it to go, I'm making enough money here with the 20% of my free time. Real quick, how, how did the TV station feel about like you taking the content that they were basically facilitating your filming of and putting it on a private channel that did like, was it just, it was so early in the so process yeah. they didn't really know about yeah, it. They didn't even think, yeah. yeah, I think that's a thing now. Like I think now that yeah, sure. if you signed it's a TV it. contract now, I think they're saying this is all our content. Sure. Yeah. But I was also starting to realize when I had 20 or 30,000 subscribers in 2015, 16, like, oh, maybe I can shoot some stuff with my iPhone and do that on my own and yeah, put that up on my channel. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of when I started going, oh, there's something here. Yeah. But it wasn't until like 2018. That's when I hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Okay. And that's when it really started gaining momentum. Yeah. I had some months where I was getting 10,000 or sorry, 10 million views. 
Oh, wow. And I was like, I think we're on to something here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm doing this 20% of my free time. What if I were to flip that around? Sure. What if I was doing this with 80% of my time? What could it turn into then? Yeah. Let's talk relationships throughout this entire journey, career. You're able to build some amazing relationships that now have, you've mentioned a few people, but you know, The Rock and John Cena and all these people you've been able to sit down and interview that you interviewed before on TV. But now, like, these are people that you still interview currently for your podcast, yeah. your YouTube channel and things like that. Talk about maybe kind of the importance of those relationships and doing a good job. Like a TV station can get interviews with people when they're on press tours, right? All the time. But if you're an independent podcaster or YouTuber or something, which is obviously something we talk about a lot, it's not easy to go get some of those people to say yes. And so for them to trust that you had the distribution that made it worth their time, yeah. you had to have done a good enough job with them when you were getting the opportunities originally. Yeah, and I think it just comes down to value. Like what kind of value are you gonna be able to give? Because it's obvious what John Cena or The Rock or Oprah or whoever is giving to you. They're giving you their time right, and their expertise. What are you giving in exchange for that? So I think the fact that like John Cena was a really big one. So when he was promoting Fast and Furious 9, I was able to like get on that press tour, which was like, that was huge because everybody else on the press tour was an actual TV station sure, or a yeah. TV network. Or, <laughs> but for me to be on there and to get like everybody else was getting four minutes, I got like 12 minutes with him. Mm. Like that said a lot. So yeah. I think that they realized a lot of my people that are watching my channel are wrestling fans. John Cena still has a lot of fans who are wrestling fans. Right. Like this is a no brainer. I'm hoping that as we go into 2022 and beyond that more people will start to realize that. And yeah. we're seeing this with Hotbox and Mike Tyson's show yeah, or yeah. with Impulsive. It's a different situation because that's a celebrity that has a podcast. Sure. Or, but we're or Hot Ones. Hot Ones, yeah. yeah. But we're starting to see this yeah. where it's like, oh, you're just a just. Yeah. <laughs> you're just a podcast that gets millions of views or you're just yeah. a YouTube channel that gets millions of views. Right. I think it's starting to shift where they go, oh, Eyeballs are eyeballs. Exactly. Whether they're on a TV screen or on a phone, they're still eyeballs. Yeah, because the point is for those types of people, they don't need the credibility of the TV station yeah. to make people, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. if it's somebody that you haven't heard of, like they want to get on TV because TV brings it an air of credibility yeah. to the stage, right? But if you're talking to The Rock or John Cena, they're bringing the credibility to the TV station. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows yeah. who they are. So like the game for them is not credibility. The game is attention, eyeballs. How many people can we get? Yeah. exposed to this new movie release or this TV show that we've been working on or this new project or enter college. And then like, it's cause, oh, I want to start a podcast. And, and it's starting to shift. It's starting to shift a little bit where they're realizing that it, it's just a matter of how many people can you reach? Hopefully, obviously we are positioning Guestio in a way that hopefully that's going to be picking up on that trend. But I, I think that we're seeing a lot of that stuff happen continuously more and more celebrities are seeing this as a more verified, credible form of media and promotion. Well, Matthew yeah. McConaughey did, I, mean, I don't even know, 25, 30 that was, podcasts. What he did was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. To sell his book. And who's going to say no to Matthew McConaughey? Well, right. And it makes sense too, because like a lot of people who listen to podcasts are, tend to be, if you look at the data, have higher degrees, like they're more educated. They're yeah. more looking for external education. They're uh, on average make or have higher household income. So like a lot of times there are more qualified prospects, especially for something like a book yeah, rather than a movie or something like that. Like if someone really wants to get their message out right now, they're going to Joe Rogan. Yeah, right. And they're having a three right. hour conversation with Joe Rogan. Instead of a five minute 
you know, quick interview from yeah. Name the Host. Yeah, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with going on The Tonight Show or Ellen or something like that. Sure. There's still a lot of prestige there. Oh, yeah. But three hours with Joe Rogan? Right. Like, it's basically like you're in the room with him. Yeah, and the thing that happens after that is that the people who still come to you after they listen to you for three hours, they're your people. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't, you can fake a five-minute interview on TV. And most of those are pretty scripted, too. Yeah, right. Night show interviews well, are scripted. They, they talked about it in the green room. and you know, the, Like, Jay yeah. Leno was always so funny. He'd be, like, you'd be talking about, like, I don't know, a car or something. And out of nowhere, he'd be like, so uh, there was this time when you were uh, a bouncer, uh, I think, right? Yeah, I think. And yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah like, like, that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. This was about. clearly a bullet point on their press sheet. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that's my point is that you can fake it on, on a five minute spot or yeah. seven minute spot, but on a three hour conversation where someone like Joe is putting people's feet to the fire a lot yeah. of times. So you can't fake that. you like, yeah, the, the true you is coming out in that interview. And if people listen to it and go, I like that guy, they're yeah. going to really like you and they're going to trust you and they're going to buy your book or your show or whatever it is that you have to promote it. Yeah. Like how many times have you clicked on the name for someone that you were like, ah, I don't really know that much about them. And then you leave the episode when it's over and you go, oh, huge fan yeah, of that. Look them now. up. Yeah. Look them up. Go yeah. follow them, buy their book or whatever right. it is. Yeah. I was actually speaking of Matthew McConaughey, really surprised that Will Smith didn't follow the same I was hoping he was his, going to. I was hoping I he was going to. He did it a little bit different. He did basically those, he did like uh, like shows. Yeah. He yeah. went to, I think, five cities and did like a book tour. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. And like he interviewed people and was interviewed himself. But I was really surprised he didn't go on those top tier podcasts and copy the Matthew McConaughey model, mm -hmm. which got him to the top. Obviously, Will Smith was going to be number yeah, one. Yeah, he's going to sell no matter what. Sure. Yeah. But, it, you know, if he sold a million copies... Making up numbers here. Maybe he could have sold 1.2 million, right. 1.5 million. I don't know. At least picking the cream of the crop. Maybe don't go on 50 shows, but yeah. 10 or 12, they're going to move some books. Absolutely. You, know, you go on Tim Ferriss, you're going to sell a lot of books. Yeah. No matter who you are. And it's going to be a great conversation. Right. Yeah. And people are, yeah, it's, it's only going to further people's relationship with you. That's the thing I love about podcasts, man, is like, if somebody's been listening to this episode for as long as we've been talking, like they're engaged and they're yeah. going to listen because they like what Chris has to say, or they like what Travis has to say. Like they're sticking around for a reason or else they would have already sh changed and listened to something else by now. Yeah. Um, I, I love that podcasting is habitual. Mm -hmm. I love that if you listen to Travis all the time, you're going to listen no matter who the guest yep. is yep. because it's just a part of your daily routine. Yeah. And I think a really big learning point for me early on when I started my podcast, which was 2019 was. I didn't start my podcast for many years because I didn't want to take away from my YouTube audience. Mm. I was so worried because I was making money on YouTube and I sure. didn't see a way to make money initially on the podcast. I was like, well, I don't want to take that money away. I don't want my podcast to cannibalize my YouTube views. Right. So I didn't do it for a long time. I realized very quickly they're two completely different totally audiences. Audience. Yeah, totally different. And we were talking about this a little bit off camera that like the watch time on YouTube might be six, seven, eight minutes. What's, what do you think the average listen time is for your podcast? So the average listener listens to, this is not my podcast. This is all podcasts in general. This is real data. 80% of podcast listeners claim to listen to all or most of an episode. After crazy, crazy. Because what happens like, like when you're watching YouTube, you're sitting down most of the time and watching YouTube. Yeah. If you're listening to a podcast, it's almost never just like, I'm not just going to sit 
at my kitchen counter and put on a podcast with a cup of coffee and just, oh yeah, this is great. Like I'm doing stuff. Yeah, it's passive. You know, it's like, so oh, I got to clean up the downstairs real quick, or I got to clean up my kid's playroom, or I got to, I'm driving to LA or whatever. And yeah. I got a couple of hours to kill. It's like, I'm, I'm doing something along the way. So like, it's an obstacle to change from what I've selected. Yeah. Because like this morning at the gym, I put on an episode, press play, yep. my phone went back in my gym bag and I worked out. Yeah. It, it would be more difficult for me to, like, I would have to really not like the episode for me to go back to my gym right. bag, open up my phone and look through for another episode that seems interesting that I want to listen to. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, Absolutely. The, the barrier to pausing it or stopping it is so much higher with the podcast. So if you have anything interesting to say or the content's good quality, you're providing value, yeah. then people are going to stick around. They're going to listen to it. So even if you have a hundred listeners, I mean, I'd rather have a thousand podcast listeners than uh, 10,000 subscribers personally, yeah. which is why I've went real hard on podcasting. It's what we're talking about earlier. We are going to be starting more of a YouTube strategy as well. Um, the growth on YouTube is so slow. Yeah. Unless that's what I hear. Like Jake Paul or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, right. The growth is, well, Jake Paul's actually not a great example, but unless you're someone who already has a name yeah, yeah. and you're coming into it, Will right. Smith actually would be a much better example. Sure. He started his YouTube channel and got like a million immediately, like yeah. a month. Yeah. He was like the OG Jake Paul anyway. That's <laughs> you know true. I mean? Yes. Here was Jake Paul before Jake Paul was yeah. Jake Paul. But it, this actually goes back to something I learned in my communication studies degree, active versus passive. We were talking mostly about watching like TV is very passive. You can put TV on and it's in the background while you're cleaning yeah. or you're texting on your phone. You can still kind of get a good grasp of what's going on. If it's a game, for example, you look up when they start cheering. Yeah. Or if it's a comedy show, you look up when they start laughing. Yeah. A movie, you got to be there actively watching the whole thing. Mm. And that's kind of the difference between YouTube and podcasting. Mm. Yeah. Podcasting is very passive. Yeah. You can be walking the dog right now, going to the gym, cleaning your house, whatever. Can't really do that with YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting stuff, man. I'm curious just to hear before we move along, the show's called Figuring It Out. We like to talk to people kind of about life philosophy. We talked a lot about your career, about where you started, how you've ended up where you are, all the hustle that went into like every single big point in your career seemed like was preceded by you doing stuff that other people weren't willing to do, calling mm -hmm. the person, flying out to the place putting yourself in the position to be able to be successful, which is something to be applauded and, and celebrated in my opinion. Cause like I said, I, that disease of entitlement, I think corrupts too many people's minds in our culture these days. But what do you think to this point in your life, you do have figured out and what are a couple of things that you're still figuring out? Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm figuring it out every single day. That's a great question because it really makes you dig deep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I've figured out. Mm. I think I think personally, I figured out a lot more of who I am mm. versus I thought I knew who I was at 18 and 21 and 25 and all those other yeah. milestones along the way. I'm definitely still figuring that out a lot, but my self-awareness has grown a ton. Yeah. So I think that's just something that comes with time. Well, but that, I mean, that's an answer in and of itself, right? Is the value of self-awareness. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like how do you expect to live a happy, fulfilled life if you don't know the variable that you're solving for? Cause you don't even know what you want out of life. Yeah. You don't know yourself enough to know your strengths, your weaknesses, what you want. How do you expect to get there? Yeah. You know, I've always been goal driven and I always say like vague goals get vague results. Mm. So I've been very specific on like I want to do this by this time. And then like, all right, well, how do I get there? How do I reverse engineer that back? Yep. And it's been very career driven for me. I've moved, like I talked about Vancouver, then it was back to Toronto, then it was to Cleveland, then it was to Miami, then it was to Cincinnati. 
and then it was to LA and now I spend a lot of time in Vegas. So it's been a lot of just like picking up my life and moving it. Yeah. And it's kind of realizing that I've been the same through all those different moves. My surroundings have changed a lot, but I've been the same. It's just kind of now I can reflect back and go, all right, well, but who am I mm. and who do I want to be? Sure. So I think that's been a really big part of the journey for me. What are a couple of things that you're kind of figuring out right now? Family life, religion, philosophy, any of those things? Well, I'm in a relationship now with just the greatest person I've ever met. That's good. Rachel's amazing. Hi. She's awesome. And I've had lots of other relationships before with other amazing people. And it's yeah. not to discount the relationships that I had before. Sure. But this is the right time with the right person. So figuring that out, yeah. figuring out some really big life changes there in the next 12 to 18 months of a yeah. whole bunch of adult stuff that's going to happen there. Yeah. So figuring that out. Yeah. But I think- it's a big one, man. It's, I mean, you've done it all. So <laughs> you've married, house, kids, yeah, everything. It's, it's a lot. It's yeah. A lot. So I'm figuring that out. But I think in that, I'm just really comfortable with like knowing that, I think it's, for me, it's just making the commitment of like, this person's great. I don't know what they're going to be like in the year 2051. Sure. Yeah. But I know that if I can keep showing up yeah. and they can keep showing up, then we can keep showing up together. Yeah. So that's a really big thing. And for me, it's just more, I want more in every situation. Yeah. So I, I've been coming out here every two weeks. We're recording at our amazing studio in the Wynn Hotel. Yeah. Like so fortunate to be part of Blue Wire and to be able to record in that studio. Yeah. So I just want more growing the podcast, growing the YouTube channel and doing some more stuff on TV. So I'm actually filming okay. a show right now. Nice. Filming a show called My Dream Purchase. Okay. And the idea is like, Travis has just come into the money to buy the thing he's always wanted to buy. The boat of his dreams, the plane of his dreams, nice. the car of his That's dreams. Cool. And I'm going to show you option one, two, and three of the classic Porsche that you want. Mm. Which one are you going to buy? So nice. it's been a really fun show. We've already recorded 10 episodes. Got a few more and then we're going to... That's going to be on... Like, it's going to be on the Wealth Channel. Oh, okay. AWE, a wealth of entertainment. Nice. And it's just been so fun. So I'm still so passionate about broadcasting. Yeah. And I know that has shifted a lot since I started in 2005. <laughs> yeah. A ton. Yeah. And I think that broadcasting now has an umbrella that includes what we're doing right now, mm -hmm. podcasting and includes TikTok and includes YouTube. So I think it's just an amalgamation of all of those things coming together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also me realizing that the TikTok audience is very different from the Instagram Reels audience, mm -hmm. even though it might be the exact same piece of content. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And Facebook Reels are turning, like I had a Facebook Reel the other day that got 2 million views. Really? And I was just like, where did that happen? Wow. That's so it's kind of just more. It's just more is what I want. Yeah. Well, love it, dude. Anything that uh, you want to sign off with? Anything you want to leave the audience with? Thank you for making this happen. Like, thank you for inviting me to your home. Sorry, your Las Vegas studio. Yeah, yeah this is my yeah. studio. <laughs> No, thank you for bringing me in here. And it's just so good to be able to meet you in person. We connected over a year ago. <clears throat> yeah. You were on yep. my show, yep. which is a great episode about like, if you want to podcast and make money yep. from podcasting, yeah, how you can do that. That was a lot of fun, man. That was a lot of fun. And I, I know we're going to chop it up again here. In the yeah. I'd love to have you come by the studio. Yeah. 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 Anytime. But Anytime. just thank you for making this happen. Of course. Congrats on Guestio and congrats on everything else. And man, I can't wait to see what 2022 has in store for you. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And uh, same to you. If you're watching this, listening to this, consuming this at all right now, go check out Chris Van Vliet. I think it's just at Chris Van Vliet That's on it. Instagram, TikTok, yeah. and all the other social channels. And then it, whatever podcast app you're listening to right now, just open it up, search Insight. 
and subscribe to Chris's show. He's got amazing interviews with literally the best of the best A-list celebrities, athletes, wrestlers, uh, entrepreneurs, and things like that. So I know that if you like this show, you will definitely love that show. Go check that one out. And uh, Chris, thanks for joining me, man. This is awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.